0: Welcome to the mailtone Podcast. This is episode 71. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Stefan. And I'm finally back from open source. A really interesting Maker VidCon event that just happened a couple of days back in San Francisco, which I'm going to talk about and how it's probably different from Rap Rap Festivals and what I really enjoyed about it. Uh, then a bit of talk about... Uh, Tom and I are now Tesla's Tesla owners for six weeks and uh, Tom's gonna tell a bit what he likes about his especially since he has a bit of experience with other EVs um I also wanted to add a small thing right here what I really enjoy about. Uh, EVs is that I charge everything with my solar system and how you can use your own solar system to charge your EV the most efficient way. Then going back to 3D printing topics um, Anchor Make is going to release a new lower price machine the M5C and we're going to talk a bit about that in a second and on kind of a tangent since I don't know reviews for the m5 w- were sometimes kind of paid by anchor we talk about how long we should or uh yeah should hold a grudge against companies that mm, do things differently and maybe not to the liking of the community
0: and a review that was definitely not paid for was mine about the mark for where it didn't get away with the best recommendations Um, is there a point for it and what is happening, or is there a point for the Mark IV and what is happening with my machine now, Um, because they reached out and wanted to have a look at it. But moving away from the plastic squirting machines that we use, uh, we looked up a couple of use cases for 3D printing where it's actually being used out in the industry and not just for one-off parts, but for actual series production. Um, Automotive, first and foremost. Is it's enabling stuff that couldn't be done any other way, and finally one question from you guys: Why is Mylin called Mylin? We try to explain. Stefan, you're back. You look fresh as ever. <laughs> you've been you've been on quite the quite the trip through the US again.
2: Yeah,
1: well, it wasn't as bad as last time or as much traveling. Yeah, but I've been to to open source last. Week, yeah, I got back last last, last week, weekend, yeah, last week Wednesday. So, open source was from like the 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 time of recording now, <clears throat> ten days ago, or not yeah. even ten days ago, eight yeah, eight days barely. ago.
0: But it's it's essentially like a, a not quite a successor to the um, what's it called Bay Area Maker Fair, but that's that's Bay happening Ar- again. Bay too? Area Maker Fair is back. Yeah, so.
1: Nobody really knew what to expect. And even us creators and even me, like talking to, to Will, who did a lot of the organizational work. And yes, was his event like essentially, right? The, the mastermind behind the event. Um, nobody really knew what to expect. And I was seriously blown away about the amount of organization they did. So um, open source, happened in san francisco at i think pier 35 or 39 at the piers um I've very close there. to fisherman's wolf uh yeah eight days ago and it was basically a maker fair plus vitcon which means that well at a maker fair you have a ton of interesting projects you have a bunch of exhibitors um showing up their stuff and the combination here was really interesting because um I think in the end 80 or almost like a hundred creators were there from Mark Rober to uh Joel Telling to uh, Angus was there. Angus um, was there um, all the way from, I mean, from Australia. Yeah,
0: for him traveling internationally is further than for anyone else yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, and this was the interesting part. I thought that not a ton of creators would be like roaming the show floor, but you could always just see people there and uh, talking to visitors and taking a look at exhibitions and taking part in events that happened there, be it like racing cars or um, I I did two um, discussion panels on, on the main sh- uh, show floor. Uh, so for visitors, it was nice because they were able to see really interesting stuff being ex- exhibited but they also had the chance to to see or even talk to uh the people that they have been following for years yeah. on on youtube which was so nice
0: for, for me it's i'm I'm always sort of i don't know afraid or or i don't feel like in the right place if i put myself on a pedestal and i'm like hey come visit me talk to me <laughs> uh, because I, I always feel like I'm i'm just the messenger but yeah it's it's that the fascination of people who put out content and put out so much stuff that yeah. that I mean for for me in in the other way too like I watch youtube channels too yeah. and yeah meeting the people that make those would be would be cool eventually because i mean i i appreciate what they do i appreciate yeah. how they do it um yeah
1: dude, so it was, dude i i met uh cody from cody's lab who was oh, probably nice. like one of the first youtubers i subscribed to I, I, almost like Twelve, thirteen, fourteen years ago, which was really crazy. Um, I tried out um, Ren's one wheel and didn't break Right, myself. he was there too. Yeah, he was there too. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. So I think for people, especially the ones visiting, it's just really nice to meet the guys that they have been watching for ages and trying to, I think, get a better feeling how they are in kind of real life. And this is one of the things I I think I enjoy about many YouTubers or at least tech YouTubers and sign YouTubers I met so far that basically all of them are very kind and down to earth and not feeling like superstars and enjoying those conversations as well because basically all of us, we started from where... I think many visitors are at the moment and we just, I don't know, yeah. we well, grew an audience around just
0: us. Just from a fascination for a specific topic. Exactly. And, you know, you, you put out some content, be it a video or a yeah. blog post or whatever, and you see, yeah. hey, there's other people that are interested yeah. in this too. Maybe yeah. I should, you know, put out more of this. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool to see because, yeah, like I said, there's no, you don't start a channel. thinking like hey this is going to be my 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 business this is going to be my my influencer life now you just share your 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 enthusiasm your nerdiness about something with others
1: well for for years we barely made a penny with that and just at some point we were able to like afford going to events like this and kind of yeah. afford just working on videos. And yeah, that's, that's the nice thing. And um so before I've only visited rapper festivals and rapper festivals are always really nice, but um of course the main topic there is 3d printing. And yeah. also one of the problems is that there are a lot of booths that aren't that interesting or very similar to ones next to them because they're just showing off like they're I don't know modded printers which is which is nice and I highly appreciate that but there isn't a ton of a variety with
0: well yeah uh, I mean that, that's that's why it's a rep rep festival that's why it's a rep right? rep yeah.
1: festival with open f- source it was nice because they curated the exhibitions so you had to apply for a booth and if Your idea or project wasn't—I don't know—deemed interesting enough. um, You didn't get a booth. So Uh, that
0: sounds rough, but I I see why they're doing it. Yeah,
1: yeah, because um, the the venue side still was like packed and full. So isn't
0: isn't it the same with the um, the Bay Area Maker Fair? I I, if I I darkly remember something there, but it's like it's limited in spaces, but. Yeah. I don't know if they're actually curating them. Um, it yeah. might just be a first come first serve basis.
1: Yeah, could be. But that led to like a ton of really interesting booths being there, and I feel kind of bad that I struggled to find enough time to film a um, f- film like a ton of them, a couple of them. I think I did interviews with five or six booths or something like that. But then just my time ran out yeah. because I, wa- I was doing like private talking sessions to small groups I, I was on two panels um, and the thing is when you're there p- people know you so they will approach you, they want to talk yeah. to you I enjoy talking to them myself as well but that just eats away all of the it's, time
0: yeah it, it, the, the thing is you have to if you want to do these events properly you kind of have to show up with a team yep. <laughs> you have to have like three people Um, one who's scouting out for for interesting stuff then one who's like camera and then you get a a booked time slot where you've got like i've got two hours i've got one appointment here there 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 um but as a as a solo visitor creator it's almost impossible to to find a balance and
1: it's just two days right it was two days so there was a friday show um but so there was a friday event party thing where also the exhibitors were there but most of the party happened on a battleship that was near the venue side or like next to the okay. venue side decent. <laughs> um so well I, I didn't have a ton of time to look at the things there um for scouting for example and then i think the venue usually opened at i think 10 o'clock in the morning until six o'clock at night, and even though this hour, like six uh, eight hours, <laughs> it just wasn't enough. Yeah,
0: they they fly. I know.
1: Yeah, no, uh, it was re- it was really nice, and um, so they curated the projects. We had really interesting talks on the show floor. I don't know. I I I finally shook hand with with Adam Savage. I actually <laughs> could retire now. Um, nice. And then there were also. Things like a tug of war at the 3D Gloop booth happening with with a robot arm, um, <laughs> um, racing those uh, small kids cars where you can where kids can sit in. How's that called again? Uh, Can't remember the name. Wait a second.
0: What no. <laughs> are you grabbing now?
1: I'm grabbing now my my custom schedule that I got handed out. <laughs> uh, power wheel racing. Sorry, ah, right, right, right. Yeah, power wheel racing. That was so funny. That was seriously so funny. So
0: I, I assumed they had like tuned ones there.
1: They had tuned ones. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to use the power wheels from the guys who built them. But it was just so funny. It was <laughs> seriously funny. With like riding in this undersized car uh yeah unfortunately mine ran out of battery after <laughs> 5 or 10 laps so i couldn't finish but uh, the other ones had had a ton of fun yeah so right. that was the weekend um i basically didn't hear any negative voices besides maybe the ones that had to wait in line at on the first day for 2 hours until they were able to get into the event but i don't know um it was the first time that this event happened. Uh, they can learn something for, for the next one. Yeah. And I so think the next one's even going to be better.
0: I, I was going to say, like, there is going to be a next one, I assume. <laughs>
1: there has to be a next one because um, Will put a ton of money in the event and he's still, well, it was sold out and everything, but he still lost a substantial amount of money with the event. Well, I as,
0: as a first-time thing, you have just so many, so much overhead. You, you have stuff that doesn't work out as planned. Yeah. yeah.
1: And one of the problems, I think, was that they only started planning the event at the beginning of this year when the marketing budgets of the companies mm. were already like right. put in place. So yeah. it's really hard to find sponsor money for such an event. Um, so uh, I think... So it, it it will be happening again next year. They they did a short like, pre-sale early bird, uh, a ticket sale already at the last day of, of open source. To, <laughs> I think <laughs> kind of covers some of the expenses or some of the money yeah. that um, a Will paid out of his own pocket. Right. But it's probably going to happen again next year. It's probably not going to happen again at the same place because... They want to make it bigger just because there are certain overhead costs that stay the same regardless of if you're having, like, 5,000 visitors or 10,000 visitors.
0: And I I also have to imagine, like, the the Bay Area in general is not the most cost-effective place to host an event like that. But I guess that they're not going to move away from, like, the area, right?
1: Uh, there are rumors, I think I heard, like, San Jose, I heard okay. Las Vegas, I heard a couple of other places where you're able to easier afford a big place, but also make it cheaper right. for people to, to stay in a hotel.
0: Yeah, exactly. That was the other thing. <laughs> like, not just hotels, but food even is expensive in, in that area. So.
2: Oh, yeah,
1: shit. That was uh, So the weekend was really expensive. They
0: have, I mean you, 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 the, the area is nice, the food is great if you find the yeah. right places but yeah um, it's it, it makes you wonder how people can afford to live there when you're already going there for a weekend and you're like, damn, this is, this is a and lot. And I think
1: this is one of the problems I heard a couple of negative voices before the event happened uh, of people saying oh, they, they would never go to the Bay Area because it has been becoming so so bad over the last years yeah. and I think this is w- w- one serious issue that people that work at Google, Levi's uh, Facebook, Apple they earn like 200-300k a year yeah. they can afford an apartment Where if, you're, if, if, you're,
0: you're, if you're just making six figures you're yeah. one of the poor bunch there
1: exactly, if uh, so if you're just working at, at, at Starbucks or I don't know, some other like non-tech company. I don't know how you could afford that. Seriously. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of a bad thing. Um, so it might it, it might, even though I just loved the Bay Area and the event happening there, I think it would be better for everyone if it will be happening somewhere else next yeah. year
0: and as far as like getting there um of course san francisco etc is, is great with airports and tra- but well I'm, there there is traffic there is a lot of traffic in, in that regard but it is accessible it's not like they're going to pick a place that is like the, the Midwest rapper Festival where it's a three hour drive from every airport that he, he yeah, could go no, to no no I think <laughs> so.
1: that's that's not gonna happen and that was yeah. I think also the positive things about um the Rocky Mountain rapper Festival because Denver airport, which is very easily accessible, was just an hour away with the car so yeah
0: yeah, well, sucks cool. that you have to fly to places it would be great if you had like some other way to to get there um I don't know maybe that 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 what, what's it called hypertube no hypertube something uh <laughs> what's what's the what's the musk thing uh
1: yeah hyperloop um, that's hyperloop. that's a, yeah yeah
0: but i don't know if, if that's going to come together Probably will
1: still take a bit of time until we can travel that way from europe to the us maybe starship starship Port <laughs> munich to, <laughs> to, to, to to vegas, vegas in, yeah. i i don't I don't know if that's
0: environmentally <laughs> any better than flying.
1: Just hop yeah. on a on a ballistic
0: missile. You yes. you'll be there in like forty five minutes. Take a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But speaking of of Musk's projects, uh, you put you
1: put the Tesla in the topics here. So so we both have had a Tesla now for six weeks. You six weeks. You have Just a about, yeah. Model Three standard range. I have the long range dual motor. Wow.
2: Dual. Um, uh, I, long was looking, range
0: I was looking at available cars um because I, I you know you need to get one like now or the the incentives are going to run out so yes. i looked at what they had in stock and i was looking at a standard range and when the day later when i decided hey I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get it it was gone and all they had <laughs> was the long range but that came with a discount of like three and a half grand so yeah same it wasn't for actually me. that much more expensive yeah um Plus, they like two weeks after I've had it, they they wrote me an email like, "Hey, by the way, you're getting ten thousand kilometers of free supercharging." And I'm like, "Cool, I didn't what? know that, but I'm gonna take it," which was <laughs> apparently another uh, sales event uh, okay. that they did. But it like it it was active for the range when I when I actually
2: took mm-hmm.
0: delivery of it, um, but I didn't know about it. And I was like, "Okay, I guess okay. that's it. It expires in two years. I'm not gonna charge ten thousand kilometers in two years because I, tr- I mostly charge off of solar, and that's." practically free um so i'm not gonna go to to supercharge and wait there instead of just going home and yeah. plugging in yeah, so
1: nice. you have had three different evs now you have to leave Correct. you have a zoe or had a zoe and then you, you have, still the have Peugeot it
0: goes back in november yep peugeot e208 how, how do you like the tesla um so i mean it look it's the most expensive car of those and it's also the best car of those. I there is one thing that I dislike, and that is the the trunk. It doesn't have a hatch; it has a trunk, which is surprisingly tall and spacious. I've mm-hmm. I've driven like I've I've driven lawnmowers and and uh, charcoal grills and all that. It, it f- barely fits in, but it could be a hatch. I would prefer that. But otherwise, yeah. the the thing I'm realizing is that ev- the thing about Tesla is like they 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 question everything. They they look at hey do we need do we need a, a, a what's it called a gauge cluster do we need a gauge? no we yeah. can just put it on the screen they question everything and they think about stuff and then they change it and they make it more streamlined not always better they do mess up things too um, like removing like the, the the parking, parking sisters
2: yeah <laughs> that's
1: that that is one of the <sighs> biggest problems that I have with my model Y the parking assistant is. So shit. You can't rely on it. Um I'm
0: uh it, it's I I don't think it's that bad. Um so when I got it, it actually you started the car, it was like yeah, yeah parking assistant not available. Like when it took delivery, <laughs> it had no parking assistant. And then like but two weeks it, later it got an update yeah. and it was like, yeah, it's now camera based. And it works ah,
1: surprisingly okay. well. It works well, but I have the feeling I always I still have the feeling that I can't rely on it because, for example, there's one big um, concrete block at my studio, which is painted white uh, and in front of which I always park. 50% of the time, the parking assistant doesn't recognize that concrete block in front of my car and just doesn't show it. It just doesn't beep and everything. So this is something that I really dislike. It's probably one of the biggest things I dislike about, my tesla yeah the other thing mm. is that the model y is just too big
0: <laughs> ah, the model the model 3 is actually it's it's a very compact car it's long yes it's 4.7 mm. meters or something so it's like middle class long yeah. um but you put it next to the zoe and it's like 20 centimeters yeah. less tall um <laughs> i parked next to uh eric the Bruin's uh ultimaker founders uh yeah. model 3 with the leaf when i still had that yeah. and i was like damn that's the model 3 and, and you look <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so the what's what's surprising though so first of all like all the stuff the app is fantastic driving is fantastic the the infotainment is great like the, the way they're rethinking that is fantastic um but like the the stuff that tesla prides themselves with the entire camera and autopilot stuff is surprisingly bad um yeah. so uh cruise control adaptive cruise control works okay it works better in the peugeot that has the the radar um lane keep is okay it's about as good as in the Peugeot, which has just a standard what's it called navstar instar the intel company from israel um camera that does it's about as good it's way too confident the tesla is way too confident in some situations and it would have driven into a a parked car a couple times and I'm like, guys, this is supposedly running Tesla Vision. Like, this is supposed to be what Autopilot is based on. Yeah. And I'm like, that doesn't inspire confidence for, for this thing being full self-driving capable. Yeah. I only have the standard Autopilot, but it should be yeah. the same software stick running it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so that's that's the thing that is kind of surprising to me. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's a heavy car. Yeah, it's not a, yeah. it's not a sports car. Career. But how
1: does mileage compare because you have for example the zoe it is the because most mine, efficient car out of all those and that's the, the really interesting thing i do around 16 to 17 kilowatt hours per 100 kilo, uh, kilometers yeah no, I've, like,
0: I've done 13 and a half going yeah. through construction zones so staying a, a below 100 kilometers on average yeah on the on the autobahn i mean it depends on how fast you drive but yeah. even even Going at a brisk pace, it is uh, more efficient than the Peugeot or the Zoe. That's so interesting.
1: I really like like the rec- I really like the recuperative braking uh, on mine because so in my normal job is <clears throat> fifteen kilometers away from here, but three hundred meters higher. So right. I have quite a bad mileage going up there, but when I drive down from my job, the fifteen kilometers, I don't need any battery because. Everything that I do on level terrain, driving back home, I recuperate during driving down the hill, which is so interesting.
0: You're not used to that, right? Yeah. Yeah, not at all. The thing with normal electric cars is you you usually get the option of having like a D drive mode where it has low recuperation and then a B mode um, where you lift off the pedal. And then uh, depending on the car, either it it goes to a full stop or it doesn't. Um, But it does more recuperation. Uh, in a Tesla, you don't get a choice. It's like, yeah, you're in high recuperation always. You, that's that's the way you're supposed to drive this, and you're gonna drive it like this, and it's how I've been driving my other cars too. So,
2: yeah.
0: they're, they're making they're making good decisions in a lot of places. Yeah,
2: it's good.
1: <laughs> and One last thing <laughs> I need to add right here um, is the satisfaction I get from driving an EV now is. Even that much higher, when I know that I, I think I did like a thousand miles, fifteen hundred kilometers now with mine. Yeah, mine's and like not basically that too. all of all of the energy came from our own roof.
0: Yeah, same here. Obviously. So <laughs>
1: from our own solar system. Well, you have a thirty, 30 kilowatt peak, almost thirty, 30 kilowatt, yeah. almost thirty kilowatt, kilo, uh, thirty kilowatt peak system. I have seven and a half kilowatt peak now, but it's still sufficient for. I, we we didn't use any energy in our house for the last. Eight weeks. So any every since purchased I got grid power. Any purchased grid yeah. energy uh, over the last like eight weeks since we had like a battery installed at home. But now even charging a car from that system, we don't purchase any uh, electricity now yeah. in summer, which is so nice. It's
0: it's amazing how far you can go with just mm-hmm. a, a, a regular small solar system and a battery. Yeah. Um,
1: and um. In,
0: in winter, of course, the story is different. But it's very.
1: <laughs> Um, the cool thing is, and I think you recommended that to me also in the first place um, the eVcc yep. electric vehicle charge control system which runs um, on a Raspberry Pi on my yeah, or in, uh, well, in my in my home assistant yeah. home assistant uh, which manages my wall box and when we have well when we've wood feeds to the grid it's uh it uh, charges into the car which is just so nice and regulates yeah it so regulates charging powers so that we use our own solar energy as well as possible for our own needs yeah and so it that tool is so nice so if if anyone out there also has an electric vehicle and um and a wall box that um, is supported. Check out EVCC. It's yeah. seriously great.
0: Um, it is an open source tool. Um, there are certain chargers, um, EV electric vehicle safety equipment, uh, certain wall boxes that you need to pay a two month, a uh, two euro a month uh, subscription support thing, and then you get an unlock key. Yeah. Um, the the chargers that I have, which are ego chargers, go e chargers, go e charger ego is the, the other company that makes the car um they do require that subscription yep. um but it does work really well i'm not using it um a friend is using it with the same sort of setup um i've got my own diy python based uh, system that regulates that but yeah great software and very flexible and it's it's just it it, it allows you it to use all the energy you're producing in, the, in yep. your own home which yep. is fantastic feeling and really the only reason i got a, a solar battery because it's it's just so satisfying
1: <laughs> definitely
0: well, what's <sighs> what's the capacity of yours um so it's a it's an lg high voltage it's a 10 or 9.8 okay. kilowatt hour nominal
1: yeah similar to what we have yeah. here as well it's nice it's, it's maybe too big for well without the ev yeah. but now it's really nice because if I'm, for example, at work, I like discharge it all to like fifty percent um, the night before I leave to work. Then we use like the fifty percent of energy until the morning, and uh, when I'm at work, first first the whole battery charges again, and um, it, it doesn't start feeding in the grid that quickly. Even though it's probably not the most efficient thing to first charge the battery and then discharge the battery into the car battery again.
0: Well, yeah, if you need the if you need the peak charge power then it's better yeah. than buying from the grid efficiency yep. wise definitely so yeah it's again it's it's amazing what's possible already um i wish like wind power would be a bit more accessible for like home use um i've, I've thought about putting like a, a 10 meter tall wind turbine in the backyard <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know what the neighbors would say but yeah
1: i would talk to my neighbors before that because but
0: like technically it's legal
1: yeah up to 10 that meters does, that doesn't mean that <laughs> yeah they are not going to bother over over you over the wind noise that you're generating
0: well i'm so i, I was going to build one myself like a, a, yeah. a vertical wind turbine um and of course that would be optimized optimized for noise as well i do have fairly cool neighbors but i don't want to bother oh, them too y- much
1: use a use a toroidal propeller i i heard that they're really <laughs> hip at the moment yeah exactly <laughs>
2: Uh, all right so let's, that's let's that. get
1: yeah that's that uh let's get back to 3d printing stuff yes
0: so i put the new AnchorMake m5c in there they wrote me an email they probably wrote write everyone an email who has some sort of online presence like hey do you want to review this and i was that's the point where 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 i get uh hellhörig um where where it gets sort of suspicious and i'm, I'm like hmm, let's see what's up there because anchor has not had the best track record when it comes to how do i say this um the well allowing reviewers to be impartial about their products um so that's something that the the, the stock is it's the m5 right the
2: stock um the, the old one the yes old one? the yeah. m5 or the well,
1: existing the, one the, the
0: full featured one Um, where apparently there was an issue where they required people to sign quite restrictive NDAs. um, And then for the longest part, all you got was sponsored uh, content about it and no real reviews because the people that had them weren't allowed to say anything uh, qualifying, yeah, yeah, or or anything negative about the machine, essentially. (laughs) They were only allowed to talk about the, the talking points that they were presented. And yep. I hear you've already you've you've also signed one of those NDAs. <laughs> Are you allowed to talk about the the NDA? Well, that probably you've I'm not at all. I'm,
1: <laughs> as as much as I have understood, uh, and I I wasn't aware that the M5C that there's already information on it existing. So the basic basically the NDA says uh, if if we're going to provide you information that is not publicly available yet you're not allowed to share it What? well like that's, an indie. that's NDA. always the point with an yeah. nda as yeah. soon as stuff is is yeah. common knowledge yeah. public knowledge yeah they, they approached me a couple of weeks back and asked me yeah there's a new machine coming uh and i wanted to get more information because i didn't have an m5 and i thought yeah maybe they learned their lesson to target the proper audience with their new machine especially with like the competition from bamboo lab so i said yeah send me more information um got an nda i know a bit more stuff that is already available yet but i think the most interesting thing which is already like public information is that it's not like 800 bucks anymore it's half the price the new m5c think it's like,
0: well starting prices is, is as far as i saw 329 on sale and then
1: 399 is the regular price 359 Perfect. with the 10 percent off Oh right, currently and 400 will be or 399 will be will be retail
0: price. Sorry, misquoted it there. Yeah,
1: which Um. is I think a move that they had to do because the M5 just in my opinion couldn't really stack up to the Bamboo Lab machines, especially to the P1P and now the P1S. Yeah, the enclosed P1P. Um. So I think they're now trying to target like a an audience that would before bought a Creality Ender. I don't know. Well,
0: the thing is, the the, the Ender class machines are like two hundred, two hundred fifty bucks. So yeah. this is this is certainly a step above it. Um, yeah and they're they're sort of in the preview materials that they've got on their website they're sort of justifying it as like hey it's it's plug and play it's print in one click or play in one click they they're calling it so like ease of use is is really what they're marketing with this thing yeah um but since we really don't know anything about the machine yet um other than the price and a couple marketing photos uh what i kind of want to to circle around to with this topic is um i put it in there how long can we hold a grudge against companies um because anchor like i said they they didn't get the bed the best reputation with the m5 launch with all the the NDA and lockdown stuff um which on the record is is the proper way to do it if you do it the right way like ndas and embargoes for early reviews i think are good as long as they don't hinder the review process itself being like, hey, here's the machine, you get it a month early, and you can release your review on release date, that's fine. That creates a, a level playing ground for everyone. Having terms in there, like NVIDIA tried it at one point where you can't criticize the product even after the embargo ends, uh, that's that's not so great. But like like I said, it's, it's, in general, it's good practice. But Anchor didn't do it all that well with the M5 launch, and also with their brand UFI, which is uh, surveillance cameras, and they also pulled a bad one when it comes to communication, where it was like, hey, you know, these, these cameras are secure, we're never transmitting anything. And they did transmit way too much stuff um, in an unsecure way. Don't quote me on that, like, we, we're going to link an article in the, in the show notes. Basically, they didn't hold their security promises. And then instead of being like, yeah, we, we made a mistake, they doubled down on like, yeah, what's, what's the issue, like, pfft, whatever. Um, So it wasn't just an issue with the product itself. It was also an issue with the communication. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we even talked about the the UFI thing when it was uh, recent. Yeah. So going, going, going on that, that tangent, like what, what is the point? What, what you know, with something like that happening with a brand that we are also engaging with, should there be like a a permanent, hey, I'm not going to work with you guys anymore because you pulled this thing five years ago or is that like a, yeah we, we're gonna do a, a moratorium <laughs> we're gonna do a, a that probably is an english word for that we're, we're not gonna work with you for six months or yeah. whatever and then we can reevaluate. like even with 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 tivo which was the 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 brand that started all this which was a you know a cheap 3d printer band that wasn't particularly good yeah crucify me in the comments if you want to um but yeah that the problem with that was the machines weren't very good, um, but there were people viciously defending them. Um, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to work with Tivo anymore." And I think the brand has gone up. But how long should is there is there like a, a redemption for them, or what's the what's the the approach there?
1: Well, I I guess uh, if they are trying to make approaches to make it right in the future. I think at some point you should definitely give them another chance um because things happen maybe PR personnel is changing or they learned from I don't know for example the the M5 campaign that that really didn't work out as well as they suspected because the community is different and it was just um yeah understood differently so (sighs) There's if they're trying to, to make it right, if, if they fool you twice, screw them. But if they fool you just like once and try to make it better next time, I think that's okay. But you, of course, you should be careful.
0: At a, at a certain point, there's also the dilemma of, for example, what is, again, is happening with Nvidia. Everyone knows Nvidia is a scumbag. Uh, <laughs> their, their, their product pricing policy, their review NDA stuff. Horrible, but you have to work with Nvidia because yeah. you know if you're a tech reviewer who does you know l t t or or gamers Nexus or whoever else that does reviews of s- recent products, you have to be on time you have to be recent and relevant, and if you don't work with nvidia then you're like well i'm I'm gonna miss out on on basically my channel's relevance too mm-hmm. uh so <laughs> you're you're in a you're in a pretty tough spot there um
1: I don't but know I if, think but yeah. I, but I think the problem is if you have it's, uh, it, it's not a monopole that that Nvidia has but it's an oligopole I think would be the so there are just like two big players on the market. Yeah. Um and duopoly. Duopoly
0: with Maybe. two with like Nvidia and AMD. Yeah. Um and Intel, don't forget about those. <laughs> I mean, for credit to Intel that they're doing a great job The products aren't at the level but they're they're, they're making an effort yeah and and I think it's
1: definitely a good thing for for the consumers if they're going to make it at some point but if you have the problem that you have just two big players you kind of need a bit play to their rules because otherwise you miss out on stuff Um, if you're going on a market that is more diverse the question is how much will you really be missing out if you never did a review of of an anchor machine does oh, yeah. it really hurt your channel or nobody really cares you just missed out on a video opportunity
0: exactly yeah with anchor i, I don't think they're at that level yet um yeah they, they are a big brand they have the, yeah. the the marketing prowess behind it um to push that printer really big uh if they want to but yeah, they're, they're not at the level of a Creality or a Bamboo or a Prusa or, or someone along those lines yet. Yeah. So yeah, it's not it's not as bad, but still, like if you, it's it's still relevant. People still want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. yeah. So, the 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 thing I've I've come to as a conclusion is like, the to answer that question, how long can you hold a grudge against a company as a reviewer, as a an influencer? Oh God, what a name what a term uh you can't you can't uh because at some point if you're, if you're just saying hey yeah i'm not gonna work with those guys i'm not gonna work with that guy because like they pulled something three years ago at the end you're gonna end up like hey i'm gonna have my 2009 marlin even marlin then sprinter based um <laughs> you know Mendel 90 which i still have it's well it's from rep- 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 it right now but you're gonna have like some some niche old thing that yeah you, you you can talk about but everything else is like off the table because you're like nah, mm. i'm not i'm not gonna it's just not viable yep. so yeah so
1: will we will we see you re- review a bamboo machine at some point
0: i don't know maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe. we'll see um
1: ah uh, yeah
0: yeah i was i was gonna make a comment there but i'm not i'm not gonna uh, yeah. maybe we can talk about the thing maybe let's make a note here uh we can chat about that once the camera's off um yeah one one comment that uh Simon made uh at audio Simon uh was like anchor should be on the list of camp companies financially supporting Marlin Scott should get in touch with them uh based on the on the last episode we did with uh Scott Lathine from the Marlin firmware and
2: I don't know are if- the anchor
1: machines running on Marlin. <sighs> <sighs> That's
0: the same question that we asked last time. Like, how do you know that a machine is running on Marlin? Yeah, I guess the base assumption is either they run Marlin and they don't tell you, or they've looked at Marlin and they've used the code and you know implemented it into their own firmware. So, mm. I'm I'm pretty sure it's some way or another they are profiting off of the Marlin firmware. So,
1: yeah, s- same thing with Bamboo. They say that they did everything themselves, but the question is. We talked about that last time. Creating a firmware from scratch is a ton of effort. Uh, it and just it getting sounds like, simple, but yeah.
0: there's so many things that need to work <coughs> out right for it to to be a good firmware.
1: Um, so, yeah.
0: Talking about firmwares and, and uniqueness, um, I put the I put the Mark IV in here as sort of a transition um, because that was my last video that I put out, the Mark IV review, and I'm. We we briefly talked about this before we started recording here. I like it, you like it, um, but it's just it's it's not as um, as convincing of a of a of an offer. It's
1: if you think about the price, if it yes. would be, I don't know, eight hundred bucks, something like that, I think it would be kind of a no brainer.
0: Ooh, even
1: That's that uh... so
0: okay, maybe 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 let's go on another tangent. Um I was <laughs> talking to to my friend's dad yesterday and he was like, Yeah, car reviews. Um, you know, if they're gonna review this car, that car, maybe they should stick to like a test regime and, and like test all the cars on the same basis, like do all the same objective testing stuff. Hmm and then it's comparable but he was like yeah but they they don't they you know a new car has a new thing and then they look at that and they focus on that Mm -hmm. um which i was like yeah you kind of have to do that you kind of have to adapt to whatever unique and new things new products bring with them Um, be it cars or 3d printers and it is the the mark 4 is just one that is so hard to compare to like an which is really just a printer a yeah. good one at that a decent one it's not probably the most reliable one but it's good it's cheap it it does the job um and the mark IV does the same thing <laughs> but it also has that and that and that and that which each feature on their own isn't like super special or anything but it's just it's just enough to to make for a a bigger package but the mark IV for me sort of didn't cross that threshold of where the entire picture is, is making up for the lack of each individual features superiority or, or mm. polishedness so uh,
1: i don't know i i definitely get you there of course you also need to take into consideration uh the development work or the, the like the Prusha text that is on their development work in just the ecosystem that they created and it's something that is hard to account for but yeah objectively speaking the mark for
0: true but that, 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 that's just that's not something that the consumer gets a benefit from yeah and it's it it, it plays into the, the entire thing that I, that I talked about with open source uh, on the last one where i was like yeah it's nice that they're developing stuff and that they're publishing it but mm. on the same hand Somebody else can just use their code and get the same experience without having to spend the development time. So it's yeah, not definitely. a benefit for the for the consumer.
1: I who is I'm buying often, Prusa machine? Yeah, I'm often well. I I bought my Prusa, but I don't know. For me, it's maybe a different thing. But the Prusa, the Bamboo, and the Voron have all become machines that i use in parallel and for specific ap- applications and i do see the value in the mark 4 it, it still prints so reliably that i can start a print just leave the studio and know that a finished print is with like 95 percent chance on the print bed the next day with a very consistent quality yeah. the bamboo would do it in like a third of the time but sometimes lacks a bit consistency um, and I don't know, is loud and whatever, whatever. And the Waron is a big machine. So (laughs) if I just print a small part, do I really need to heat like a huge chamber and a print bed? So for me, the Mark IV has its value that it's a reliable machine. So if you use it as a tool, I think it it can definitely be worth the price. But if you're just a tinkerer, doesn't really care exactly. as much about a print failing it is too expensive or yeah it might be too expensive
0: um yeah maybe maybe to close this out with the print quality issues that i've been seeing with uh, the input shaping beta alpha pre-release version that i, that I was running on my mark for yeah. um Crucial's customer support did contact me um, they reached out Were like hey um can you send us the files that he used the g-codes and i was like sure here they are Uh, i sent them the exact files that um that i printed that i used that i showed in the review and they're like okay we looked at those uh can you send us your printer we would like to take a look at the machine um because I don't know if it's if it's something with like being an early model or whatever. Mm. Um, it definitely was an early model. It was not a pre-release; where it was finished hardware, but it was one of the early ones. So they want to look at the machine itself and kind of figure out what's going wrong there. Because what I was seeing in the review is not what they expect out of the machine. Mm. So it's really, really if it's if it's expected or not. I don't think matters much because if it's input shaping and it doesn't have a way to to measure what the machine itself is doing, the the point still stands. It does need some sort of an accelerometer or tuning process um for it to work really well. Even if my machine is like not a not a usual case, but those not usual cases are gonna pop up.
1: Yeah. And I don't know why they didn't put an accelerometer for example in the print head um, you'd need one on the head and on the bed
0: um, ah, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, or at least right. one that's that's like detachable or something um, Yeah, something
1: like that um, Prusa Mark 4S here we go Yeah. Um, it's of course, definitely coming <laughs> yeah it's definitely coming so I also have the feeling that mine is substantially louder than my Mark 3 and there were rumors around that they have like a set of motors that perform differently. But I don't know if that's an excuse in the end to well, it's, say, okay. Here's
0: the thing. That's not just a rumor. That is a, a definitive a definitive uh, thing that was happening where they had a bad batch of motors initially um, that didn't perform as well with like the, um, the VFAs too yeah uh though if you contact customer support they will tell you whether your machine has those motors or not i did reach uh, okay. out and mine supposedly i don't know they're going to check the machine yeah. uh mine supposedly has the correct motors, so not the ones okay. that are faulty yet it is still louder than a mark iii yeah. mark iii on standard mode um yeah. the mark IV doesn't have sound or standard anymore it's just a default so it is definitely louder than the mark iii yeah noticeably not not like it's annoying loud but it is noticeably louder
2: Okay,
1: yeah, same for me. Um. Uh, (laughs) uh, Well, getting back to, I don't know, was it like the first question that we had? So you did not recommend buying the Mark IV for the price it has. Um, I, in a way, feel like Prusa shill if if I (laughs) feel... Like formulate it this way. I think there if you need reliable prints as a business and if printing hours are expensive for you, I think it is worth while I really enjoy using mine, but the question is if it's twelve hundred euros worth.
0: That that's that's the exact point that I that I tried mm. to formulate in my in my video where I was like, yes, there is certainly an application for the Mark IV. There are use cases where this is the perfect fit. But then again, the mark three is also a very good printer, and like it doesn't in in those applications the mark four it doesn't really add much over the mark three so yeah, it's a tough spot um i'm i for one are like, on the topic of redeeming i'm 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 interested in seeing what they do next um because it's 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 certain that the bedslinger approach and the mark the the anchor is also betslinger so hmm. yeah <laughs> Uh, betslingers have a bad rep since uh, bamboo labs have come along and it made CoreXY Y popular uh they did hint at having something experimental going on um after the mark IV is out um, Pusha, yeah
1: so well, is... you could always ask yourself like the wall of printers how's that called Prusa's the, the of... yes these are all like s- smaller sized core x y printers and Everyone was asking themselves why is the Mark IV not just one that? of these printers of the wall? Yeah. Um, I talked to people recently and some say just a Core XY is harder to get right in comparison to a batslinger, because like bell tension is more important that skewers right and
0: yeah, but with, with today's tech with input shaping and stuff, um a batslinger just Lim- uh, maxes out earlier. Mm. There's just more headroom on a Core X Y if yeah. you get it right. So
1: yeah. Well,
0: I'm totally I'm sure right Prusa there. can do it. I mean, they're making the XL, so. But still, yeah. it's gonna be interesting what they what they do. If there's gonna be like a new mini variant or <laughs> a Prusa XL mini. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a Prusa normal size. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see but yeah see, they we'll they, see. they 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 do have to do something yeah uh but moving on from from the plastic 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 squeezing out machines uh <laughs> as as a bit of a uh, a topic of like looking outside the or over the uber Telerand outside the box oh, It's outside. not outside the box. Mm-hmm. Look looking past what we usually do to, to describe it. Um I I saw on on I think the Google News feed or something, um this car company is now using 3D printed stainless parts or titanium parts in production vehicles and not like a super special vehicle, but just like a standard car. They're now doing this knuckle or this this joint's now 3D printed because it's just it's the best approach to manufacture this. And I thought, hey, what is what are some other things where you've now got like three d printing actually being used productively um and it turns out yeah there is a lot of it it's <laughs> quite a lot of it um the first thing that i that I saw was barilla and now printing spaghetti uh again not something that's done in production um but just a cool approach they're using yeah. a uh, let me open this up're using a uh, an existing three d printer that is paste extrusion as i as I see it. Uh, the blue rhapsody uh, printer and it it makes custom spaghetti shaped stuff
1: (laughs) they're probably gonna be really expensive i see something (laughs) like that in like a michelin star restaurant having custom shaped custom printed um spaghetti
0: yeah or high-end catering if it's like a branded Mm -hmm. event or stuff um yeah where you have like a company logo on your on your spaghetti because they, they're saying it's like finger food they can print with that the yeah. sauce is inside and it's like... <laughs> it sounds cool it's being yeah. used um but on the topic of of 3d printing in cars um 3dprint.com had an article on the cadillac celestic celestique yeah. um where they're using the world's largest sand 3d printer to print um casting cores sand cores for casting i was like this is this isn't new this is cool that it's now the world's largest 3d printer but my dad told me about um the new bmw m engines the s58 they have to use 3d printing for those for the sand cores because the 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 casting is just too complex to do in literally any other way with cooling jackets and Mm. and the internal geometry and Mm. all that there simply is no other way to to manufacture this, and I've got a an article linked in the. Or definitely, you're gonna link it. You do the uh, yep. the show notes. Uh, Voxel Matters had an article about the S58 engine, um, which is exactly what my dad was. I don't know if he was part of, but he did. He was in contact with that project at BMW. Um, yeah, S58 so, series yep. production yep. using three D so, printing cores.
1: Sand core three D printing has been around for decades already um for proto sorry for prototype sand casting molds but now also for serial production um either because getting like a mold made for your sand course is impossible or too expensive or would take too much time this process is super nice because you can design like an an engine today, print out sand cores overnight, basically cast them uh, the next day, and have like a a rough engine block out of the mold within like a, a couple of days, which I think otherwise wouldn't be possible. Yeah, and still,
0: and, and that is that is one off individual parts where you can yeah. completely determine the geometry yourself. You don't have exactly. to
1: do like a,
0: a, a small series, and yeah. you can do one off parts and experiment with that.
1: Still. With this, still this technology is really expensive compared to um, making those molds conventionally, for example. And this this is one of the reasons why we see it in those high power, horribly expensive motors, because with these it's viable and the customer is willing to, in my opinion, to pay the extra amount of money to have a better performing motor in the end. Um, in my opinion, this process is still not viable for like a Golf, for example, a Jetta or a, I don't know, Ford F-150 because if you really need to get prices down, uh, additive manufacturing is, is just still too slow and I think this is might also be another uh, uh, reason why it's only used in these uh, engines because they don't produce as many as for example for the F-150 um, because it's, it's expensive, it's slow so you use it in those special motors and not in like really big serial production because that would make the engines too expensive yeah. and maybe not even be, you wouldn't be able to produce as many as you need but it's cool that this is possible and that this technology helps to squeeze like the last bit of performance out of such a car yeah. or such an engine
0: it's it's always that slope um which uh, if you go on another tangent like uh, efficient market theory um it's always that slope if you have something that you pay a bit more for you're going to get something that is yeah. better be it in materials yeah. in manufacturing processes in whatever but there's you know a, a lower end product you know you're going to be able to use lower end Processes for it that are going to be cheaper, and yeah. I I just think that it's cool that three D printing is in there and it is a viable option. um yeah. Again, because if it if if something is more expensive but it's not better, then it's not going to exist in an efficient market. Um, so it's it's cool to see that three D printing is something that is apparently for this segment. Yes, higher yeah. end is something that is totally being done and being used and viable and just cool.
1: Yeah, and the thing is. Uh, this is a way that companies can get experience in these new processes and help make them more efficient cheaper and maybe in the future even usable for lower price cars higher volume production yeah. and things like that you they kind of so the the buyer of an uh a BMW, a bmw m class is kind of like subsidizing that, class. that technology don't, don't a don't little
0: bit bmw fans here, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the m game behind models <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> not an M class um yes yeah, so it's it's the engine that's used in the bmw m3 m4 and uh x3m and x4m and yeah. apparently also the m2
1: yeah So that's really cool. Um, And I see kind of the same thing. So with my background in aerospace, it's really hard to get 3D printing into products because it's expensive, but you need to start at some point because otherwise you will never get experience to use it at some point in a higher volume production or in in more critical parts. So we're currently trying to find these, these unicorn products where additive manufacturing currently already makes a ton of sense. To Get experience with the process to make it cheaper, to make it more reliable, to use it in the future um, in a just wi- wider variety of products. yeah, which is nice. And eventually you get a
0: you get a scaling effect, not to, to a level where it's like cheaper than, than just base level cast parts, but you know you get a scaling effect, and yep. it is going to be more affordable and yep. going to be able to, to be used more widely. and if you have the experience at that point, mm-hmm. you're ahead. It's just i'm I'm looking at the figures here and i'm like oh the uh the the m three is gonna make four hundred seventy three horsepower out of this, which i'm like
1: so <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's maybe one last <laughs> thing right here uh so ap- applications uh, uh of additive manufacturing like con- consumer product uh, a friend recently sent me an image um he's a pharmacist and they bought like a new horribly expensive IR measuring device to distinguish different substances. And um, the the holder for I don't know accessories for that thing was 3D printed. And he, he he since since he knows me and he knows a bit of the process, he already complained to me that the quality was so bad. But this company is since this is like low volume production, uh they are using additive manufacturing for Accessory holders uh, that yeah. they don't need to manufacture expensive molds, which in the end makes also the end product cheaper for the consumer.
0: It's still horribly expensive, but it is going to be a bit less expensive than if this was a, another custom injection molding part.
1: Yes, yeah, especially at small scale.
0: Yeah, um, and you do actually you do see that quite often now, where you you, you open up some high end part and or some high end product, yeah. and it's like well this thing looks like it's it's printed on and i don't want to throw shade there but it looks like it's printed on an end three um (laughs) which might be totally fine for what it's doing like if it's some bracket or something but yeah yeah it 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 does look ill-fitting but it's the most reasonable thing to do so yeah makes sense
1: makes sense and it's just (laughs) one less thing (laughs) <laughs> really, just one last thing. Uh, when I was at uh, Rocky Mountain Rapper Festival, I have seen... So, um, LDO made a left-hand orbital extruder. So, the orbital is not, like, symmetric. Right. So, we have, like, a right-hand one and a left-hand one. And the right-hand one has been injection molded for, for quite a while now um, with, like, glass fiber reinforced nylon. And the new version, the left-handed one, which is probably, like, way less production volume... Uh, they also just 3D printed the housing, which Bontag has been doing for I, like ages. I was going to say that, yeah, yeah, Bondtech is doing the same thing. But the orbiters may maybe so high in production volume that it make made sense to make the housing out of uh, out of injection molded plastic. But if if you know how your 3D printed material 3D printed material behaves, and you can be sure that it's fit for the application it It can work especially at small scale production so
0: it it can totally work and it can it cannot just work it can also be a better alternative um for example i mean the um landing gear parts i'm sure you've yeah. seen those those topology optimized um titanium mm. printed mm. airplane landing gears mm. look they i'm i'm sure they're they're a bit fancier looking than they need to be um but yeah, it's a lightweight part it is strong enough it is reliable enough. Um, and, you know, if you made it conventionally, it would be heavier or not as strong at the same yeah. weight. So <laughs> that's the that's the unique applications that that are being <laughs> enabled. It's cool to see.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So maybe let's close it out with one question from uh, Mozai um, on the YouTubes saying, I just want to know one thing. Why is it named marlin of course referring to the Marlin firmer uh, who we talked about with scott uh, in the last episode always been curious where their name came from and we do you, you have you have an application that actually an application explanation <laughs> that actually makes sense
1: well we both didn't have a clue uh before we started recording so we uh, quickly checked google of course uh and i stumbled over an article on a stack exchange and somebody uh, this is like not a proper source so we should maybe fact check that with uh marlon La- uh, with marlon with <clears throat> with scott later today hey, yeah, um, the explanation sounds good so it must be true so let's Guy was saying, as far as I know, Eric van der Zalm started Marlin. He is from the Netherlands, and Zalm, so his last name translates to translates to Salman. Um, one of the design goals of Marlin was to make it faster than the other film was available at that time. And the Marlin, which is a fish, is a very fast swimming fish. Um, so maybe his last name. A fishy thing make it faster marlin yeah that that's where it's might be coming from
0: yeah, and the 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 fishy thing is something that is sort of a a common theme uh throughout uh let's called through throughout 3 printing firmers and stuff so sailfish um is also something that is uh, that that has been named after that um but Main sale, the clipper Main interface. Sail, yeah, yeah, Nautic ther- terms there. Um, though before that, the, the firmware names were a bit less f- f- nice. <laughs> so the, there's been Clemens firmware. Sprinter is, of course, what Marlin is, is sort of directly based on, a direct yeah. successor of it. Uh, Gerbuls round. Um, Teacup uh, was was one that, that was used back in the day. Rep so. firmware? Raprap farmer was well, still around. Um, yeah. Was I'm I'm trying to remember? Was Raprap farmer like an actual farmer back then for the for like the Sanguni Nulurunu <laughs> or for like the very early boards? Um, I
1: have no clue. So I I started on Marlin. S- yeah, seven eight years back. Eight years back.
0: Back in my day, we used Sprinter, and Sprinter yeah. was <laughs> a new thing actually.
2: So. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. So uh we gonna we gonna fact check with uh with uh, Scott on that and I'll just put a link down in the description um if we get some better sources on the origins of the name for Marlin firmware.
0: Yeah, though as far as I understand it uh Scott wasn't always around with Marlin. He just knew no. so I don't know if he was involved in the name finding process. I don't think mm-hmm. so but he probably should know we might find out
2: yeah (laughs) all right
0: that's everything done for this one so broad range of topics Um, glad to have you back safe and sound back home and back on the the recording seat yes Uh, happy to be here again Nice, nice. So, thank you to everyone for listening, watching, liking this episode, subscribing on the YouTube's, and adding us to your podcast feed on your preferred podcasting platform.
1: Yep. If you want to support us, you can do so. There are links to our uh, own patrons down in the description.
2: And thank you for your time. Thank See you guys you. in the next one. Thank you for yours. Bye Bye-bye. bye.